This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As we are taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. If you would, turn your Bible to Mark chapter 7, Gospel of Mark chapter 7. We've been in a series on Sunday mornings entitled Miracles of the New Testament, walking through, looking at the patterns and the principles of the miracles of Jesus and the miracles of the New Testament, looking at those patterns and principles to learn how we can live a life of miracles, how we can see our every need met. And so we come to Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31 this morning. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis, which was literally the 10 cities, a predominantly Gentile area. And if you look at this, what Mark is describing on a map, it would seem that Jesus was going way out of the way, but as we'll see in the message, already because of the miracles taking place already, there was persecution and there was criticism. But as you read the Gospels, you see that there is a timeline in place. Jesus has to do certain things. He has to minister. He has to teach and minister and do miracles for about a three and a half year period. And then his death, burial, and resurrection. And then him suffering and him dying on our behalf. And so he makes this circuitous route, goes to the Decapolis, which was a predominantly Gentile area. Verse 32, there are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. The King James says the man had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. So people had heard. And people had heard of the miracles taking place, and so Jesus was there. And here was a man that was both deaf, he was mute, he was in need. No, no there's no cure. They, they knew of no cure. They knew of nothing that medicine or doctors in those days could do. And so they brought him to Jesus, and it says they begged him to place his hand on the man. So they believed that if Jesus would minister to this man, that if Jesus would touch this man, he would be healed. The man was deaf. He could hardly talk. The King James says that he had an impediment in his speech. He was, we could say, tongue-tied, or he stammered. As human beings, we have all been made in the image of God. And Satan hates that. You know, he fell from heaven because of his pride. But if you go back to Genesis, you can see that from the beginning, he has been filled with envy and jealousy of humankind because we are made in the image of God. And we can, we have the choice, we have the option to give our lives to the Lord, to walk with God and to spend eternity with God. 
Satan has made his choice. His destiny is certain. And so he hates us. And he is filled with rage and with envy and with jealousy. And that's why he steals and kills and destroys. And Satan does anything and everything that he can in his power to defile, to distort, and to corrupt what has been made in the image of God. And so you have to come to the place in your life and in your faith and your walk with the Lord where you settle in your heart what is and what is not the will of God. Anything in your life, anything in our lives that impairs, impedes, or hinders is not of God. Anything that impairs, anything that impedes, anything that hinders is not of God. Now, the, the gospel of Mark is very specific that then when this man was healed, the chains of Satan were broken in this man's life. And so somebody could say, well, Austin, in this occasion, it was Satan. And there are situations where it is Satan. But there are also situations where it could be the result of how somebody was raised or how they grew up or they didn't have a mother or a father who believed in them. I don't care whether the, their cause is Satan I don't care whether the cause is a lack of self-esteem. Anything that impairs, anything that impedes, anything that hinders is not of God. And so you have to come to the place in your life where you settle in your heart what is of God and what is not of God. Psalm 119, 89, the King James tells us, Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. His word is settled in heaven but his word needs to be settled in your heart. And so they brought a man to Jesus who was deaf. He could hardly talk. The King James says that he had an impediment in his speech. They begged him to place his hand on the man. Verse 33, after Jesus took him aside away from the crowd. You know, we often get it in our minds that it, it has to happen this way. It has to happen on my terms, it has to happen just the way I want it to, and if it doesn't, it's not God, or everything is going to be messed up. But, but a key thing that we're, we're focused on this morning is that we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the Son of God. He was full of the Spirit of God, and everything that he did, he was led by the Spirit of God. But so often, we don't get good results. We don't get God's results because we want it to happen on a certain day, at a certain time, in a certain way. And so they, they, they again, we, we've seen in these miracles, healing miracles, freedom and deliverance miracles happen in a variety of ways. They wanted Jesus to put his hand on the man. But look at what he did. Verse 33, after he took him aside, away from the crowd. Why don't we say this? Say, away from the crowd. After he took him aside, away from the crowd. So... A miracle takes place whether it's just the Lord and you or an entire crowd sees it. He took him aside away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Literally, the chain that had held his tongue was broken. The bonds or chains of Satan's power were broken or released or destroyed 
and his life. And it's a fulfillment of what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, that he would proclaim liberty to the captives, that he would set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so often in our lives, as pastor has taught during the Holy Week revivals and other times, we, we allow Satan, we allow the enemy to establish a beachhead in our lives. We accept it, we, we settle for it, we put up with, we tolerate it. And it's not even in the notes, but, but during worship, the first service, this was put strongly on my heart. Anything in our lives that impairs, anything in our lives that impedes, anything in our lives that hinders, it is not of God. And you can have the victory. That's what the last song was about. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, it could be related to the devil or a door that's been opened, but it could just be a, a beachhead that has been established in our lives. You can, through faith, through prayer, and through action, you can get the victory. Through faith, through prayer, through action, you can get the victory. And even if the victory doesn't come by tomorrow, through faith and prayer and action over time, you can get the victory. Jessica and I were recently just talking about a situation. You know, sometimes we'll hear about a situation with a child where they have a difficulty in a particular area or a difficulty in a particular subject. We don't have to do what the world does. We don't have to accept it. We don't have to settle for it. We don't have to just move them along. Well, you know, that's just the way it is. It's an impediment. It's an impairment. It's just the way God made you. We're just going to put up with it. We're just going to tolerate it. And we're just going to pass you along to the next grade. That's what the world does. You know, we're all gifted and talented in different ways in different areas. But we can, we can work harder in certain areas for better results. We can read. We can study. We can we can hire a tutor. We can be tutored. We don't have to put up with things. We don't have to accept things. We don't have to tolerate things. You know, there, there, are, there are times on a Sunday morning and the, note, the notes are long and so I'll, you know, there's a movie. Our kids like, move it, move it. I'll, I'll move it, move it. But sometimes in doing that, I'll stumble over words. So I, I have to slow down. It takes work. It takes focus. It takes effort. So we have to come to our, the place in our lives where we don't settle. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus does everything well, and he wants everything to be well and to be made well in your life, in your home, in your family. Isaiah prophesied about this in Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped. With God, all things are possible. Number one, God loves you, and he has and he will go out of his way for you. Why don't we say that? Say, God loves me. Say it again. Say, God loves me. 
Say, he has, he will go out of his way for me. I remember one of the times we were spending time with T.L. Osborne and he was talking to my father and he said that, you know, the hardest part of our job is not getting people to believe in God. I remember the first time he said that, it kind of surprised me. He said one of the hardest parts of our job is getting people to believe in themselves. God loves us and he has and he will go out of his way for us. Mark 7, 31, Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. And this is an example of God loving us and God going out of his way for us. He loves you. He wants to go out of his way for you, to see that you're saved, to see that you're healed, to see that you're delivered, to see that you're blessed in your life and in your home and in your body and in your family and your finances. The Decapolis was the region of the 10 cities. It was a predominantly Gentile area. We just saw last Sunday how Jesus had been sent first to the lost sheep of Israel. And yet again and again and again, he would go out of his way for those outside the covenant. The Roman centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, the Samaritan woman. John's gospel is very specific that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so he, he took the route that religious Jews avoided. And so again, this is a reminder that God will go out of his way to help us and to do good in our lives. Number two, anything that God does, God does well. Anything God does, God does well. You know, it, it's sad to say, but that in the, the society that we live in, when you, when you go to eat, you order lunch, when you take your car to the shop and have maintenance done, or you have somebody over to your house to do maintenance of any kind, you know, no matter how good they are, no matter how well they've done in the past, it's just the society we live in. You have to double check that the job was done, that the job was done with excellence, that the job was done right, and right the first time. You know, and I know workers don't like being watched as they work. The last time we had pool equipment, some maintenance done, and I thought, you know, I, I know it makes them nervous. I'm not going to stand there and watch. Sure enough, let an hour go by, went back there, and they hadn't tightened up something the way it should be tightened up, and water was leaking out. And that's annoyance to text and call and wait for them to come back. We'll come back tomorrow. No, you're coming back right now. That's the world. But anything our Heavenly Father does, He does right. He does right the first time. And he does well. The Bible says in the beginning, God saw all that he had made and it was not just good, it was very good. Now sometimes in religion, we get to feeling and believing as if we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, no matter how hard we try or how much we do, it's never good enough, it's never enough. That's religion. That's not the Bible. Say, say this, say, I have been made in the image of God. To say, I have been made in the image of God. And God calls his creation, say, God calls his creation very good. And you might have to go home and look in the mirror and smile at yourself and say, very good. Now, we have things to improve, we have things to work on, but we have been made in the image of God. And God made each of us well. And God wants us to be well or made well or whole in every area of life. 
Sometimes when we teach on prosperity, we'll explain that shalom, the biblical word for prosperity, means total well-being in every area of life. That's God's will. That is God's best. What our Heavenly Father does is good. It is wonderful. What he does, he does well. Satan is the one who steals and kills and destroys. And so if you are sick in your body, God's desire is that you be made well and that you be made perfectly well. You study the Gospels, Jesus never once made anyone sick. And yet in being around Christian people, you'll hear things like, well, the Lord is doing that and the Lord is doing this to teach me something. The Lord is doing this or the Lord is doing that to bring greater glory to himself. It is religious nonsense. If that were true, there would be examples in the Gospels of Jesus making someone sick. You won't find a single example. And you read the Gospels, you study them. Jesus never once healed anyone partially. What God does, God does good. What God does, God does well. What God does, God does perfectly. So we ought to say in our lives what the people said that day, he has done everything well. Why don't we say this? Say, he has done everything well. So say, he has done everything well. And so again, if you come to the place where you settle the word of God in your heart, where you settle God's best in your heart, that's when you can pray like Jesus, your will be done on, and on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Because his will is good and it is wonderful. What he does, he does well. Revelation 21 verse 5 says he makes all things new. Mark 7 37, he has done everything well. Number three, God wants you well. Why don't we say this? Say, God wants me well. Say, say, God wants me well. He, he wants you to be blessed and to experience and to walk in his best in every area of life. And so you have to lift up your eyes to that. He wants you well in your spirit, which is the real you. That is our salvation. He wants you well in your body. That is your healing. He wants you well in your finances, in your work. That is our prosperity. And so you have to be settled on that. You have to be settled in your heart regarding the will of God. John 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Number four, to receive from God, you've got to get your focus off of men and get your focus on Jesus. He is the answer. Mark 7, verse 33, after he took the man aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. For this particular miracle to take place, Jesus had to take the man aside away from the crowd. Again, this is why we do our best to be to minister as led by the Holy Spirit. And we, we so often get it in our minds and we get, we get these big ideas that it's got to happen on a certain day in a certain way and that if it doesn't happen on a certain day in a certain way, we, we missed it or God missed it or we missed it or somebody messed up. This is why we have to do our best to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and so I'm mindful of the New Testament gift on the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But over the course of my life, there have, there have been times where 
because of maybe the way someone was raised or the things that they were taught that were wrong or because of a particular hang-up they have for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some time has to be set aside for them to be shown particular things in the Word of God, for them to be prayed with, talked to, counseled aside, away from the crowd. You know, we do things in here, you know, someone might think, well, everybody's watching. They might, they might think, well, I got I to gotta perform a certain way or do this or do that. There, there's all this pressure. And so there, there are two different situations I, I'm thinking of where someone had to be taken aside. They had to be shown some things in the Word of God. They had to be talked with and prayed with away from the crowd. And when that happened, they received from the Lord easily, without trouble, without difficulty. What had been hard became easy. So he took him aside away from the crowd. For this particular miracle to take place, Jesus took the man aside away from the crowd. So in our lives, we've got to get our focus off of men and we've got to get our focus on Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Say this, say, Jesus is my savior. Say, Jesus is my healer. Say, Jesus is my provider. Say, Jesus is my source. Say, he is my supply. You know, we, we live in one of the most idolatrous cultures that has ever existed. You might say, Austin, is it worse than ancient Rome? I don't know. We're having a competition. Some ways yes, some ways no. It is idolatrous. And out there in the culture, people are looking to men as the answer. God is our source. God is our answer. And so to receive from God, we've got to get our focus off of men. We've got to get our focus on the Lord. Our trust should not be in any man. Our trust should be in the Lord, in the Son of Man. Number five, learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus ministered on planet Earth for three and a half years. He grew up. There came a point where it was time for him to do what his father had tasked him with doing. And so he was baptized. The Spirit of God came upon him. He ministered for about three and a half years. And then he suffered and he died and was resurrected on our behalf. Today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The one who is here with us is the Holy Spirit. That's who we have here with us, leading us, guiding us, directing us every day. And Jesus' day, when he was here on planet Earth, if someone needed healing, they had to first hear about Jesus. Then they had to go where he was. They had to find him. And then they had to get to him. They had to, like the woman with the issue of blood, press through the crowd to get to him. Today, we're healed by faith in the word of God. We also have the Holy Spirit who, as Jesus said, would lead us, guide us, direct us into all truth and understanding. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the word. He gives us understanding which enables us to believe and to receive from Father God on the basis of his word. Jesus said in John 16, beginning in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he doesn't lead us into error. He doesn't lead us into nonsense or weirdness. He leads us into what? Truth, all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. 
he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. This is why we, we, we sang that last song about the victory we have in Christ. Last Sunday we rehearsed the verse where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven forcefully advances and forceful men take hold of it. Paul said that he leads us in triumphal procession from victory to victory. But how, do, how does that happen? By the Holy Spirit taking what belongs to Jesus and making it known to us because now we are in Christ. But to live that life, you have to be in the Word of God. It's, it's Sunday is not enough. Wednesday is not enough. You know, I mentioned Lady Sharing that she began coming to Faith Christian Center because we have Wednesday nights. You know, we could pat ourselves on the back that now so many don't have a midweek service or they just have, you know, midweek service one Sunday, one Wednesday a month. You know, we could, we could pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we're doing more, that's enough. But Sunday and Wednesday aren't enough. We have to get into the Word of God. We've got to read and study and meditate on the Word of God so that we can walk in everything that belongs to us, so that the Holy Spirit, you know, it could be a passage or a chapter or a verse you've read many times, but the Holy Spirit might make it come alive to you. He might give you new understanding, greater understanding, and he makes known to us what belongs to us in Christ Jesus. As pastor says all the time, as David wrote, the Holy Spirit of God leads us to green pastures and still waters. So he'll coach us on changing this or changing that or tweaking this or tweaking that or giving up this hindrance or giving up that hindrance. Why? He's leading us to green pastures and still waters. But we have to cooperate. Smile at your neighbor and say, we have to cooperate. Smile at your other neighbor and say, we have to cooperate. You know, just, just recently, one of our children, she, she was making, I guess you know it's not Samuel. We got four girls, so now you know it wasn't Samuel. One of the girls, she was making a full court press, you know. Well, Sophie has this. I would like this. And are you going to get me this? She has it. You know, it just seemed like every time I turned around, then there was a day where we, we didn't do something exactly what she wanted us to do. There, there was pouting and there was, there was a bad attitude. And I said, you know what? You keep asking me about this. But then you're pouting at me, you're, you're, you're looking at me that way, so we're going to take this request and we're going to set it aside for the time being. Because what I want is some cooperation. I want a smile, I want a good attitude, I want the joy of the Lord. When your mother says, do this, I want you to do it without, without, without complaining. No, no, no looks. Amen. Well, th that's true of our walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and he's directing us and our Heavenly Father wants to bless us. If there's a hindrance, it's not God. If there's a hindrance, it's not the Word of God. So we have to cooperate. We have to be willing to be led. We have to cooperate with him and being led by him. Now our Heavenly Father can do anything he wants except violate his own word. In John 9, verse 6, Jesus spits on the ground, makes some mud, 
and place it on the eyes of a blind man. And the result, the man is healed. So the world says the proof is in the pudding. Now, I've grown up, church my whole life, never seen my father spit on anyone or spit and then lay hands on anyone. You might say, Austin, would you do that? I would have to know it is the Lord. Meaning I may have to see a burning bush like, like Moses. Jesus did everything that he did led by the Spirit of God. And you might say, Austin, how do we know it was God? How do we know it was the Spirit of God? Well, there was a good result. The man was healed. He could hear and he could speak. John 9, verse 6, Jesus, John's gospel spits on the ground. He makes some mud and he places it on the eyes of a blind man. The result, the man is healed. Why did Jesus do what he did? Mark 7, 33, he took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. He spit and he touched the man's tongue. The man could see, but he could not hear or speak normally or naturally. So he was both deaf and mute. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears like the laying on of hands. And then Jesus spit and he touched the man's tongue. So now, I remember 2020, people would put ridiculous things on social media. Jesus would wear a mask. No, he wouldn't. Not, not, not this Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus who spit and touched a man's tongue. He spit, touched the man's tongue. You might say, this seems odd, but think about it. He was the son of God, so even his spit, his spittle was anointed. And again, someone might say, I don't understand it. We might be tempted to judge it, but there was a good result. Then Jesus spoke a word of command, afatha, which is Aramaic, and it means literally be open. The world and religion and some preachers will say that God works in mysterious ways, but that's not Bible. What does the Bible actually say? Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That means God's ways are bigger and better and more wonderful than anything that we can imagine. It's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, that our Heavenly Father does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God in everything he did, even in spitting and touching that man's tongue. The evidence, the proof, at this the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And again, someone might say, well, Austin, I, I just don't know. Is this God or is that God or is this hindrance God? Anything that impairs, impedes, or hinders is not of God. Anything that is a difficulty or a trouble in someone's life that would lead them to believe or feel they're not good enough, they're not worthy enough, that is not God. It's Satan who steals and kills and destroys. The man was healed. Literally, the chain of his tongue was broken. The bonds or the chains of Satan's power in his life were destroyed. He was healed. He could hear and he could speak. You know, these are things that we, 
we take for granted. And that's why we have to live lives of gratitude. We have to live lives of kindness. We have to realize how blessed we are. Just this weekend, my father was rehearsing to me that we're, we're blessed because Christina and I are fine. We live a blessed life, but all the grandchildren, they're, they're, they're blessed, they're, they're, they're healthy, there are no issues. So we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful for. That's the only blessing we had. That's a big blessing, amen. And so we have to be mindful as we're out and about to be the light of Jesus, to be the light of the world, to be kind, to be a blessing, to be an encouragement, to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And you might say, Austin, I want to be more blessed. Well, you need to first realize how blessed you are. You can see, you can hear, you can speak. And no, you may not be Shakespeare or Abraham Lincoln, but these are blessings that we take for granted. The man was healed. He could hear, he could speak. God sometimes does things in unusual ways. You read about Smith Wigglesworth, the great evangelist, one of the greatest evangelists there have ever been. He was very different. He was uneducated. He was a plumber. And he had, he came to the Lord through his wife. She got connected to the Salvation Army. Eventually he came to the Lord. Eventually he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He started out in the ministry later in life. But he was not formally educated or trained. He didn't have any religious baggage or hindrances when it came to ministry. And once he prayed for someone with a tumor that was obvious on the outside of their body and the Lord led them to reach back and punch the person in their gut. Well, that's the moment when everybody might be asleep but now they're awake in the service. And you might be horrified by that, but that person was wonderfully healed. He got results being led by the Spirit of God. Now, a lot of times, the Lord's not going to lead us to do something crazy like that. He'll lead us to pay for someone's lunch. He'll lead us to buy someone's groceries. You, you know, you might be discouraged about this or that. He'll, he'll put it on your heart to reach out to someone, to talk to someone, to encourage someone, to pray with someone. You know, the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and directing us all every day, every week, in little ways, we just have to be willing to cooperate, willing to be led by him. And where is he leading us to? Green pastures, still waters. Yes, God sometimes does things in unusual ways. And while we evaluate everything by the word, we have to be careful saying, this is God or that's not God. It was sad to see a year ago, so many Christian people criticize and badmouth the revival that took place in Asbury, Kentucky. They said things like, that's not God, or God doesn't do that, or God doesn't do things that way. Who, who are we? It was wonderful to see God moving amongst young people. It was wonderful to see young people in chapel enjoying the presence of God, not wanting to leave. You know how terrible people were? And again, my, my perspective, when I hear about gossip or I hear about drama or I hear about this or that, who has time for this stuff? Between getting up in the morning and getting the kids ready and doing all that we're doing during the week, there's no time for gossip. 
There's no time for drama. There, there's no time for scrolling through social media trying to, trying to find out someone's you know, shortcomings. But Christian people were actually trolling through the Facebook pages and the Instagram profiles of the young people in that college that were a part of the worship team trying to find issues with this or that as proof or evidence this is not God. He is far more kind and far more gracious and far more merciful than we can imagine. And that's why God can move amongst a group of imperfect young people because they're, they're just there, they're just cooperating, they're just willing. They're not a bunch of old fuddy-duddy saying it has to be this way, it has to be with this song, and it has to be done in the next five minutes. We have to be so careful in judging and evaluate. And yes, we evaluate things by the word of God, but Jesus said in the Gospels that to attribute the work of God or the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan, it is an unforgivable sin. God sometimes does things in unusual ways. Finally, the people went out, and they told it everywhere. Mark 7, beginning in verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. They said, he has done everything well. See, see that's what Christian people across America should have been saying last year about Asbury. He has done everything well. And yes, there, there are some people there with issues. There are young people there with issues, but they're there. They're not somewhere else. They're there seeking after God, which is the answer. It's the answer for America. So we ought to say like they said, he has done everything well. He does everything well. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus told them not to, but they went out and they told. And the reason he told them not to is because already the religious leaders and the government authorities were plotting and conspiring against Jesus. There was a timeline in place. He had a mission to fulfill. Certain things had to be done. And he knew that they would eventually put him to death because they were full of envy and jealousy because of the crowds and the miracles. The people, even though Jesus said, Keep it quiet. They went out and they told. They declared, look what the Lord has done. You know, I know it's so discouraging to look at the news, to get online, to, you know, you get on your computer and you go to Google, whatever Google, whatever's going on, Google will tell you in the splash page. You know, this is what's going on this month. This is what we're all supposed to be celebrating. I know it's discouraging, but we have the answer. We have the answer. And that's why, We've got to let our light shine. That's why everywhere we go, when people ask, when they inquire, when, when they wonder, how can you be so full of joy? We ought to say like they did, look what the Lord has done. He has done, he does everything well. He makes all things new. He does everything well. We have the answer. Tell your neighbor, say, we have the answer. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have the answer. So we ought to let our light shine. We ought to say, look what the Lord has done. We ought to declare when people ask, when they inquire, what God has done, his goodness, and then invite and bring them to church. And it could be the simplest thing. 
you have Wednesday night church. Now, we don't this week, but normally we do. Amen. Today, we're healed by the Word of God. And what does the Word of God say to us today? Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You might say, Austin, I've done some things wrong. I've, I've messed up some things. I've headed down some roads that I shouldn't have. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We live in a sinful, fallen world that is corrupted, and there is, it is polluted. You know, we can face things just because of the world in which we live. We face things because Satan steals and kills and destroys. We also face things because, yes, we can, as I said, explained last Sunday, we can open the door, but praise God for his grace. Praise God for his mercy. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Say this, say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for healing me. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for delivering me from every destruction, even things I have opened the door to. Matthew 8, verse 17 says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, with his stripes we are healed. Peter, later quoting Isaiah, wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes ye were healed. The NIV says, by his wounds we have been healed. Say, say thank you, Heavenly Father, that I have been healed by the stripes, by the wounds of Jesus. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive what belongs to me. I thank you that your healing power is flowing through my life and through my body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. He does everything well. And that, that's, that's what we ought to tell people. When they come to us with their problems, their challenges, their difficulties, I know the Lord and he does everything well. He makes all things new he restores the years the locusts have eaten. He makes every crooked place straight. That is the Lord, and he does everything well. Please bow your heads. You might be here today, and you've heard me preach about the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, his kindness and goodness and healing power. All of that begins in our lives by surrendering our lives to him. Jesus gave his life for each of us. And to be a part of the family of God, to become entitled to the benefits of the family of God, we have to in turn surrender our lives to him. The Bible says that he is standing at the door of our lives. He's knocking, but we have to open the door. We have to ask him to come in. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've never done that but I want to. I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to ask him to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand to where I'll see it, and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. You might also be here today at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you're not living right for the Lord. You know in your heart you're not 
right with God. And maybe the issue was simply that you would not cooperate. When you came to church, you would not hear, you would not listen, you would not heed. You would not do what the Word says. During the week when you were living your life, you would not cooperate. You would not be led by the Spirit of God. And the result is not God's best or His blessing. The result has been trouble. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. But it begins by making things right with God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want you to pray with me. I want to recommit my life. Wherever you're seated, if you'd raise your hand where I'll see it, I'll know. You want me to pray with you, raise your hand. For the sake of anyone watching or listening online, we're going to pray. Repeat this simple prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you that you do all things well. And I thank you that from this day forward, I'm going to walk in your best in Jesus' name. See, part of the Bible says it is the little foxes that spoil the vine. We, we can pat ourselves on the back. I, I'm doing better than so-and-so. I, I, I've got it together more than so-and-so. But if you read your Bible, that's why the daily Bible reading is so important. Jesus taught in Matthew's gospel, don't, don't, don't get focused on the speck of dust in someone else's eye when you've got the log, the plank, coming out of your own eye. And so see, that, that was so sad about Asbury. You got Christian adult, adults patting themselves on the back and comforting themselves. They're not like some of those young people in college that have messed up, screwed up, don't have their act together. How can God bless that? See, you got to set all of that aside and open up your Bible and say, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me change? What would you have me do better so I can walk in your best? And I'm telling you, if you will live that way, you'll live a life of answered prayer. You'll live a life of miracles. You'll live a life of blessing. You'll live the life, Jesus said, that we would ask and we would receive and our joy would be complete. Then you'll be one of those happy Christians saying, look what the Lord has done.